Welcome back to Cairo Nights. I'm Spike O'Neill along with Kevin Ears. Is this the band you got to see? It is not. This is uh, a cover of Springsteen. Oh my God, dude, you're deep. This is a Springsteen song? Yeah, it's the ghost of Tom Joad. Oh my God, it is! It's Rage Against the Machine. Wow. You know, Tom Morello played with Bruce for a tour or two. That's awesome. Yeah. I had no idea this existed. There you go. I also didn't know American Girl was making a pair of Seattle Twins. That's kind of insidious. Wonderful, but insidious. I wonder if they listen to, you know, your, your the they listen to, you know, the the you Twisted can do it. Tunes. You can do it, yeah. I wonder if they listen to Twisted Tunes. <laughs> no, Sorry. I just it's okay, Hammer. Um so America I don't know if you guys are familiar with American Girl dolls. And this is such a first world problem of privilege. American Girl dolls are, um, let's see, how do I how do I frame this out for folks? I mean, it's nice. Nicole did a wonderful story about how American Girl is featuring their first ever dolls based in Seattle. What you have to understand is American Girl dolls are dolls that are initially to tell the history of American girls. There is a doll that was alive in 1775. There's a doll that was alive in 1865. There's a doll that was alive in 1918. A doll was alive in 1945. These girls uh, that young young girls can relate to um, have storybooks that go with them. Now movies that go with them as they've evolved with technology. Yeah, no one reads. But they tell the story of what life was like for young girls in 1875 or, 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 19, or 1775, 1865, the Great Depression, World War II, all the things that went about. Uh, you know, the, changing the lives of of young girls in America. Then they brought in, you know, dolls of color to speak to the the post Civil War young African American girls in America. They have American girl dolls that speak to you know the Hispanic, the the Native American. We need a experience. January sixth uh, doll. January sixth oh, American stop, doll. Dude, <laughs> awful. <laughs> You're awful. Um, uh, recently, American girl dolls have become more inclusive. They went woke. I know some folks really like to bitch and moan about that. But they finally um, created American Girl dolls with physical challenges that were in wheelchairs, that were missing limbs. So that young American, real American girls who have these life challenges have a doll that looks like them. You know, I, 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 was, asking, awesome. I was asking Lisa Brooks if, you know, if she was ever an if she's, you know, was she an American Girl fan? Did she have any experience with American Girl dolls? And she said she was more of a Barbie kid. And, you know... You want to talk about you know the, the stereotypical body image issues created by Barbie, you know, to, for for so many young girls in America, you know that uh, you had to be statuesque and top heavy. That's what your doll was, and American Girl dolls really try to become you know doll embodiments of who kids actually were. American Girl makes this thing called the the, the My American Girl. You can get a doll to look just like your kid, right? Here's the problem. These dolls aren't cheap. They run in the, the hundred plus dollar range per doll. They come with uh, designer outfits that they're time sensitive for the seventeen hundreds, the eighteen hundreds, the nineteen hundreds, the fifties. You know, there's a doll from the sixties who's kind of a little hippie girl, and now there are two Seattle dolls, twins. First time they've ever done twins. First time they've ever done Seattle. So you poor parents. I'm lucky. My my girls have both aged out of the American Girl phase. But you, uh, you folks in Seattle, who now you have a young girl at home who wants an American Girl doll, 
What, are you going to buy both twins? You're going to have to buy both twins, right? They're twin sisters. Available for Kmart layaway, hopefully. I'm sure. Well, I'm, I'm sure. I, well, I don't know if you can buy American Girl dolls except through the American Girl company. Oh. There was an American Girl. So here's the deal. There's an American Girl store in New York City. There was one they opened up here in uh, Alderwood Mall that's since closed up shop and gone away. But, you know, these these things are very expensive to start to collect. There are books and clothing and accessories. You can have a doll that rides a little horse, so they sell a horse. They sell a horse riding outfit. You know, they, they, it's incredible how deep it goes down the rabbit hole of of this expensive, you know, gift you can give your child and hobby you can get your child into. I had no idea. So now you got to buy two, you know. And, and I like the fact that the girls are from Seattle. That's nice that they're celebrating the grunge era and the Y2K and the Internet, all the things that make Seattle Seattle, Right. Yeah, I mean that's that's really cool that they're doing that. It's a nice thing for the American Girl franchise to actually recognize what Seattle accomplished and contributed to the Americans' experience in the '90s, be it grunge or you know Microsoft and the internet and all those things that come with it. That's uh, you know, I'm glad my kids are aged out. I'd have to have to go pop a couple three hundred bucks to get a couple American Girl dolls for my daughter, or I could grow a spine and say no. I know a lot of parents do that. I've heard it. I heard it works. I've never had that skill. You got to talk to a guy who knows a guy who's got a uh, truckload of them. Fill <laughs> <laughs> off the truck. American Goyle. Yeah, they're they're just like American <laughs> girls. Oh my god, that's Canadian funny. girl. They're they're, yeah, they're basically girl dolls, like American yeah, just like, girls, like but cheaper. Yeah, with the exchange rate, you really do catch a bargain there. Yeah. Hey, would you um you have a lot of subscriptions, Kev? Do you subscribe to? Various like premier channels or yes. do you subscribe? Do you buy anything on subscription? Do you buy anything like you're, you're kind of a young single guy. You probably yeah. don't have this issue. I'm not single, but yes, I oh, am oh, oh, young-ish. I, I apologize for my assumption that you're no single. Problem. I'm used to a lonely single guy sitting in the chair with Matt Butler. So it's nice to have somebody with an actual life sitting there. <laughs> I kid Matt. I kid Matt. I kid Matt. Um, you know, when you buy think household items like paper towels, toilet paper, whatever you might, if you subscribe every month, I know my wife does this with our, we have this like, you know, green friendly laundry detergent that we use that's, okay that doesn't come in a plastic bottle it's these sheets and they're very eco friendly and my wife buys them on a monthly basis they come from i guess amazon brings them once a month and we get a break for a subscription service to this this purchase regular bit of a break you spend so much a month like amazon prime for example that's a best example if you pay your amazon prime annual you get all this free delivery all the things you buy through amazon that's delivered to your home there's no Delivery charges. It can really save you a lot of money if you do a lot of you know e-commerce and uh, and save yourself the bucks by being a subscriber. Well, the latest people to dive into the subscription model are restaurants. Uh, you know, with the pandemic, it became much more common for us to have food delivered, right? And if you've getting food delivered, you have your favorite place you go to. Whether it's you know a, a a burger chain like a Five Guys or McDonald's, for gosh sake, I don't mean to demean the arches, all hail the mighty clown, P.F. Chang's, Panera Bread, whatever it might be, these chains. Um, if you have regular delivery, you can get a subscription, a monthly subscription to these various restaurants. Okay, and they'll give you all deliver all your meals for free, for you know six seven bucks a month, or you can subscribe to certain restaurants. For like, you know, I don't know, 75, 80 bucks a month and you'll get like 100 bucks worth of free meal credits. It's a way for restaurants to try to earn some loyalty 
by giving you a bit of a financial break so that you do your dining with them more often than anybody else. You don't have to eat there seven days a week, but you eat there two, three times a month, and it's a little cheaper because you've got a subscription. Would you pay a monthly subscription to get all your meals from a restaurant for like, you know, 75% of the cost? You know, I was going to do food prep, and then I just decided, let's just go for the Arby's. Uh (laughs) (laughs) When you say food prep, do you mean like the, the services that send you meals ready to make? Have you uh, seen yeah, those things? Those look, those look pretty cool. I, I you know, honestly, I eat uh, a lot of like sandwiches. I eat a lot of like this place called Jersey Mike's. I love Jersey Mike's. I love Mike's. Jersey Mike's and I love it, you know, the way they do it Mike's way, right? So no, it's all juicy it and drips it, down your face. Exactly. You don't I'll, eat it in the car food. You can't I, go anywhere afterward. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'd probably pay. I'd probably pay a little uh each month just to like, uh, you know, get a you know, a, a good deal, a 30% discount or whatever it is. Whatever it is, yeah. You know, I know that the, the Jersey Mike's, not that they're sponsoring the show or sending us any free food. That's not what we're talking about. It's a disclaimer there, folks. Um, Jersey Mike's, they get points, right? When you when you buy sandwiches, you earn so many points. And after mm-hmm. so many points, you get a free sandwich, yada, yada, yada. Um, I know we, we have like hundreds of Jersey Mike points. Because my daughter and... Look it up, uh, dude. I know my daughter and I, uh, we each use the same account number, the same phone number. So the points just rack up. And I, I leave it there so my kid, whenever you know, she wants to go get a sandwich from Jersey Mike's, use the points. You know, my way of buying my daughter lunch without having to actually be anywhere near her. It's a really lovely, lovely situation. How about this? I got a trade for you. Some Marlboro Bucks for some of those <laughs> for those Jersey Mike's points. What do you think? Well, it's funny you mentioned like Camel Cash or Marlboro Bucks or, yeah. or Green Stamps. These loyalty programs, they work. They've been around forever, and they've evolved into, you know, you give your membership number at the grocery store, you, you sell your digits, right, and you get, spe- you get discounted pricing for non-member prices that aren't in a random public. They pay a little bit more for their groceries, right? This, this trading our information to a marketing company for a little bit of a discount because the only really thing of value is you and your time and your information that you can be marketed to. And, and subscription services are pretty similar, Loyalty programs through airlines or credit cards. You always see these cashback deals on credit cards, right? I mean, we don't have any credit cards in my wife, my wife and I. We've, you know, one of the things we've been able to do is have no debt other than our mortgage. That's awesome. We don't have car payments. We don't have credit cards. We got nothing. We got bills and a mortgage, and that's it. Um, and that helps us not live beyond our means, which is the American way of life: is living beyond your means. We're a credit-driven society. We were talking about student debt a little bit ago and, you know, how, how it gets people into trouble. You know, we try to live as close to within our means as we can. Loyalty programs and membership subscriptions, they're ways for companies to keep you coming back to them. I mean, if you can, you, you can eat at A, B, or C, if you've got a 7 bucks a month membership with A and they give you 25% off your meals, you're going to keep going back to A more often. It's a smart way to keep and retain customer loyalty. You know, uh, is there any place that you guys eat often enough that's got a, a variety enough menu, or you, you know, you don't you like the food enough that you can you don't mind eating it every other week, twice a month, probably it's twice a month where you want to cap out eating somewhere, unless you found someplace who absolutely just will. I could eat there every day of my life for the rest of my life. There aren't a lot of those places around. I don't think we got an Italian restaurant in our neighborhood. Great little one-off, single-owner, little restaurant. They are fantastic. You got to show the details. Where, where, where do I need to go? Okay, and and again, we're not getting any free food. This is not a plug session. 
But, you know, I pay a little extra to become a loyalty member of this place. I join a, a membership, a private club for them. It's called Bucatini. Okay. Which is Italian for little mouth. It's funny because the place yeah. has enormous proportions. Anyway, they when the pandemic hit, we really worried that they'd go out of business. I mean, the pandemic was so hard on businesses, especially restaurants. We all morphed into this food-to-go model. Restaurants stayed open just doing nothing but takeout, right? And and that's when the Grubhubs and the DoorDashes and all these folks, Uber Eats, came into prominence. You know, well, they, these folks, I, it was so funny. We, I went there last weekend. I asked my wife what she wanted for dinner. You know, and I, I do most of the cooking at home. So anytime my wife wants something super fancy, I said, you know what? Tonight I'll pop for it. We'll go out and we'll, we'll get some food to go. But we like yeah. to be at home. My wife doesn't my, – my wife has – some pre-existing health conditions. Sure. So during the pandemic, she was very careful not to leave the house. I was the guy that left the house every day. And I always still have some compromised immunity issues. So she's still a little leery of going to shows or going to theaters or going to restaurants, very crowded places. And not that we're worried about the pandemic anymore, but, you know, a good flu could really hurt you these days. Yeah. You know, our, our immunities are down as a society because we were so careful. We stayed away from germs for two, three years. We washed our hands. We wore masks and our natural immunities subsided. So now colds are hitting us harder than ever. Flu's hitting us harder than ever. COVID can still be very dangerous to people with, you know, pre-existing conditions, compromised immunities, i.e. my wife. Anyway, long story short, I called uh, this, our favorite little Italian place, Bucatini in, in Edmonds, and ordered some food. And I went in to pick it up and the place was wall to wall. I mean, wall to wall. There was people outside waiting to get in. It's not a big restaurant, but they've probably got 20 tables and both bars at either end of the place, tiny little bars, were full of people having dinner at the bar. There were people, there were at least three or four groups outside waiting to get in when tables cleared. The staff was working overtime. They were flying in there. And I walked in and it just put the biggest smile on my face to see a local not a franchise, and there's nothing wrong with franchise foods if it's good food and they take good care of their people. They got a competent staff that respects and treats their guests with, uh, you know, with like professionals. That's, that's nothing wrong with that. But when you find a nice local restaurant, a one-off that cares about the ingredients and the food they serve, takes good care, got a good professional staff, takes good care of the customers, to walk in, have, and these guys survived the pandemic living on carryout alone, right? I mean, there was a point where they had this massive wine collection. And they, um, you know, they, and wine can go bad over time. I mean, if some wine gets better over time, but, you know, that's not all of it does. Anyway, you go in to get dinner and they have these wine specials. You go on a bottle of wine to go with your meal, you know, buy the meal, get the wine at a great price. I mean, we're not wine drinkers, but it was nice. Anyway, to see them have bounced fully back and have a massive, massive house. Sounds like they're thriving. It was great. I, I And there was a gentleman there. I was going to make a very, you know, ethnic inappropriate joke you know I mean it, the place was just jammed packed full of happy Italian American looking type folks you know and the this one guy with his hair slicked back and a big old chain and a black short turtleneck and a blazer over top of it a guy who has eaten well his entire life I walked up to him and I said hey are you you're the manager he's not I'm the owner and I nice. said I said but I gotta tell you I'm so happy to see this I'm so happy to see your your staff is flying around. They're doing great work. Every, look how happy everybody is. So I was, we, we kind of tried to stay with you as long as we could through the pandemic and come as often as we could to make sure you guys made it. It's just so nice to see your business back and thriving. So, yeah, and he got a big smile on his face when I said that to him. He appreciated the compliment and, and the, the fact that we appreciated him being in our community. 
it's nice when you got a little business in your community that that you can go to and count on. You know, and if uh, if subscribing to that business lets them know you're going to be coming in more frequently and they're willing to trade a nice break on pricing for that to you, not a bad thing. They call it paper chew. I don't. I'm not crazy about that. That just sounds cheap and. Blah. Wait, what? Paper chew is how the story oh, is okay. framed. Paper, like paper view. I get chew, it. Okay. Chew, chew, chew. Yeah, yeah. This is a nice version of Thunder Road. Yeah, it's by Frank Turner. He sounds either British or Irish. Yep, he's British. Nice. It's Cairo Nights. I'm Spike O'Neill along so with Kevin Deers. When we come back. Let's talk about uh, TV series that we love and the ones that ended. And they were like, after we've committed years, they gave us the worst ending of all freaking time. What, and the consummate letdown to something you absolutely loved. Talk about the worst TV endings of all time when we come back. Cairo Nights. You ain't a beauty. Hey, all right. Oh, and that's all right. Now you can hide beneath the covers and study pain Make crosses from your lovers and throw roses in the rain You can We sit in the car outside your house I can feel the heat coming around I go to put my arm around you And you give me a look like I'm way out of bounds you let out I gotta know. <laughs> is this who is this? Uh, a band called Vampire Weekend. Okay, I've heard of them. Yeah, Springsteen's "I'm Going Down" off "Born in the USA," covered by Vampire Weekend. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. I'm Spike and here with Kevin Deers. Live at Electric Lady Studios in NYC. In, NYC. Wow, it's home of the famous Electric Lady Land. Absolutely. According to Jimi Hendrix. Wow. So we're going to talk about Lisa Brooks is going to join us here. Uh, talk about some of the best or more importantly worst TV finales of all time when we when we give our time to watching television because we've evolved uh, in the way we consume media and television particularly in so much that we can binge watch now and we do and, and it used to be though a weekly commitment mm-hmm. a weekly scheduled time you put aside time to watch TV show once a week. And when you dedicated all this time to watching a show and it was coming to an end, you hoped that the characters you'd come to care about would get some resolution or you'd be optimistic or you'd have a happy ending or the bad guy would get his. And there's so many times that that has happened. We've had great series with great finales. But more times often than not, writers can't live up to our expectations. Really? I, I think so. Oh, okay. Is this because of the MASH, what was 40 years ago yesterday, I think, that MASH had its last episode? And that one, that one for me, I, that's, that's the penultimate disappointment for me. Really? Because, I mean, if, if you guys are very young in this audience, if you're as old as me, and I'm and older me. than Lisa, <laughs> I'm older than you. I don't know. Um, MASH was our heyday. Was the biggest thing yeah. on television. Yep. It was a staple of our life on a weekly basis, on a commitment basis. You know, and here are these people dealing with the horrific experience of war. Mash was the story. For those who don't know, first off, wow, wow. Um, it's it would behoove you to binge some Mash. He's showing that now. I want. I don't know, but there, that's be a great somebody. question. If a texter knows where you can see Mash these days, let us know eight 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 nine seven three five four seven six. Let us know what your favorite TV series was. And an ending that you loved or hated, I'd love to hear your points of view. 
Uh, so MASH was the story of these doctors and nurses at a military armed surgical hospital, mobile armed surgical hospital. That's what the M stood for mobile. We learned during one episode Yes, when the new uh, commander moved it right across the street yep. just because he could. Um, and here's a show that's a comedy and it's uh, irreverent and it's got some debauchery and it's people dealing with stress, surviving through comedy. And when they got to the very, very finale of this, was it 14, 15 seasons of MASH or something like was that? Was it that many? No, it couldn't have been. Uh, it couldn't really? have been that. Okay. Probably, a, I don't know. Probably not that It was long. a lot. That's a long war. And this was, yeah, it was it, it was 11 seasons and it did last like twice as long as the actual Korean War. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, but they had this very dramatic and yeah. emotional, you know, closing where... Um, this one snobby character, Winchester, ended up leading like an orchestra of Koreans because he missed culture of his home life. You know, um, one of the characters who was always bucking to get out of the army on a Section 8, yeah. he dressed as a transvestite clinger yep. these days who wouldn't make TV these days because everybody's so worried about offending anyone. He married a Korean girl and brought her home to America. Oh, so right. you remember that? Yeah. Uh, but our hero, the the patriarchal hero of MASH was Alan Alda's character, Hawkeye Pierce. Who was the biggest drinker, debauchery, smartest, funniest? You cared about this guy, and he and he lived through the the horrors of war by just cracking wise, and it never got to him. And at the end, the last episode, spoiler, he loses his mind. Yeah, yeah. and it was like, what? What? Where's the happy ending? Where's the? You get to go home. What? Hawkeye's going nuts, and he. He, you know, some baby had, some woman had to kill her baby because the Korean soldiers were outside the bus. And, oh, oh my God. God. So I'm like, what are you I doing to me? That. Oh, man. So, and I know it's listed as one of the greatest endings of all time. Goodbye, farewell, amen. The conclusion of 11 seasons of MASH. I mean, at the time, 105 million people tuned in. That's how big an event it was. Um, and it was just one of those, like, really? That's where you went? You know, the Sopranos ending. It was so, huh? I've never seen episode one of oh. The Sopranos, and I know I have to watch it. Well, you know, so and I'll, and I'll paraphrase this for folks. I hope you don't mind if you haven't seen any Sopranos. If you have seen it, maybe you'll agree or disagree with me. You know, here's a, a show about a mobster and his family. And you learned, you grow to love this, you know, flawed hero. Everybody loves the flawed hero, whether it's Breaking Bad or Dexter, who's, you know, murdering bad guys who got away with their crimes. That's you know. another bad ending, Dexter. Dexter was a terrible ending. He what, becomes a lumberjack. He, you know, he just moved away and grew a beard and wore flannel. What the hell? Weird. <laughs> Seriously. And I will say this. And this is this is maybe just my assumption. I think great series have horrible endings because the writers who made these series great, successful series are poached. Wow. And 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 go off to do their other projects, and they've got the skeleton crew of wannabe writers in the series finale, and that's who's forced to write the capper of this little series you loved. Twin Peaks? Ugh. Twin Peaks, terrible ending. Well, the Office ended well. Office, some of them have been they great. They have a lot of wrap up. The Big Bang Theory, which I loved, 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 had the best ending. Wonderful. Sheldon got his Nobel, Nobel Prize. Prize. And did you know that, um, <laughs> by the way, the, the line where he is introducing the greatest friends he ever had, and he yeah. threw away his 15-page oh, speech and just yeah. thanked his friends. And, you know, I remember when Penny and, and uh, you know, when they first met, he said, my children will be both beautiful and brilliant. You're, and, and now that you're expecting, I know that's to be true. And she's like, thanks, I haven't told my parents yet. That was improv Oh, really? That line from uh, Kaylee Coco, is, I hope we're pronouncing her name, right, was improv Yeah. Huh. Right, some of those moments. Anyway, that was a great ending. Um, I, and the textures, I'm, I hope you have opinions. I sh- I'm sure you do. I'll get to them in just a second. Um, MASH was 11 season. People care about that. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, 
Seinfeld. Did that you was like disapp- it? That was a disappointing ending I thought so, to me. too. I didn't like it at kind all. Kind of weird, yeah. They, you know, they all ended up in a jail cell because they couldn't stop bickering with each other because yeah. that was the true nature of what the show was about. It was about nothing. Right. It, so it know, ended like So nothing. it ended with nothing. Okay, okay, I get that. That makes sense. Sure, why not? Um we did get a, we did get a Seinfeld reunion on Curb Your Enthusiasm though that was really cool that was really cool on the most uh, yes. a couple seasons ago yes oh there was I didn't know that. yeah it was pretty <laughs> cool well you know back to the Sopranos because we kind of got yeah. off track I got, I got off track I apologize so here's this mobster and he comes to a diner and his wife joins him and his two kids join him and so, and they just like go to a black screen like did somebody walk in and cap him oh you know we we never knew people what thought happened. their power went out. <laughs> Seriously, my friend was watching it live, and he thought his power went out. And the he's screen like, goes no! black. What? My cable's out. Who, who didn't pay the cable bill? What happened there? I mean, why would that end Well, like I, that? I think they did that because they were planning on making a Sopranos film. Uh, and James Gandolfini passed unexpectedly yeah. and far too soon. And they never got to make They made this Many Saints of Newark, New Jersey, which was a prequel, okay. where Gandolfini's son played a younger Tony Soprano. Okay. He did really well. He did very, very well. Yeah, that was awesome. That was a tough thing to do. They, and because they, they cast all the people that you come to love in the series mm-hmm. and younger versions of themselves, and people did a very nice job representing these characters. Whether it be his mom, his, his future wife, you know. But another I mean, Springsteen tie-in. There you go. Um, so Breaking Bad. Did you like the ending? Did you hate the ending of Breaking Bad? Well, I still never have seen. You've the, got some catching. But I did see too. all of Better Call Saul. Oh, did you like the ending? I it was. I thought I it was. I liked it. I, I thought there could be more, but I liked a, a lot of aspects of it. Yeah, and I, I don't want to kind of. A lot of people still haven't seen all of uh, Better Call Saul. Yeah. So we, we'll be careful. How about the end of Friends? Uh, Do you remember it? Do you remember it? First of all, no, foremost? I don't remember it. Okay, I they, wasn't a they, fan of the show. So, you know, Chandler and Monica get married. Right. They, she, she wants kids. They can't have kids. They adopt. They adopt the twins and they have to move to the suburbs. Oh, okay. So they all lose the apartment, oh, the apartments, okay. and they all move out and go their separate ways. I thought that was a very well done ending. Well, it's some... the end of the era for sure. Ex- exactly. Yeah. You know, and by the way, speaking of great last lines, um, they're walking out of the apartment and they've all, you know, get, you've got to leave our keys for the, for the landlord, blah, 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 blah. And they're walking out together, and they're pushing a baby stroller, and the six of them are walking out. You want to go get coffee? Sure. And Chandler goes, where should we go? Completely improv oh, Because they'd only ever been to the one damn coffee shop downstairs, <laughs> Central Park. That was, you know, that was a, that was a character in the show, right. was the coffee shop. That was a pretty great ending. It, you know, it, it just, I really do think that it sucks when a, when a series runs its course, and you have to, okay, that's, that's what you got. In Game of Thrones, okay, the... The dragon queen goes nuts and burns down the whole city, and the the Jon Snow decides, okay, I can't let the you can't leave, you can't be the Mad King, you can't, you, and he kills her, and the dragon burns down the the Iron Throne, and they see grabs her body and flies away. And says, did it eat her? Did it bury her? Did did John? What's I mean, it's another? I remember the outrage. Yeah, yeah, it was like really. Well, first off, they shot the thing in like night vision. You had it was the darkest cinematically shot. From a, from, a, from a cinematic perspective I've ever seen. It was like you couldn't see half the scenes of the... of the. And maybe, was it just my TV? Do I got to get a better TV? I hated the end of Cheers. Mad Men. I, I didn't think that ended I, I, I hated the end of Mad Men. He's good at what? He's got inner peace? I may, which is a good thing for Don Draper, the character. But yeah. Did he go on and invent <laughs> I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony? Was that him? That would have been better. Yeah. That would have... If they'd have done that, that had been yeah. catchy as that had been great. It's Cairo, and I thank you, Lisa Brooks.
you know, that's the thing about when we invest our time and our entertainment, we characters we care about, it's tough to live up to something to make everybody happy. The Wire had a great ending. Wire had a great ending. Yeah. And The Wire was filmed in a neighborhood that I used to drive in every night at three in the morning. To get it, drugs? No, no, no. I attended bar. <laughs> I attended bar south of the neighborhood. The wire was shot in the projects of East Baltimore. Okay, they picked that neighborhood because they didn't have to build any sets or hire any extras. Fair there enough. was already dilapidated projects and a bunch of people standing around the street every hour of the night when the film crew showed up. Anyway, it's Kyra Knights. I'm Spike on the Hill. Thanks, Lisa. Along with Kevin, we'll be right back. We're pain and memory. Interesting choice, Kevin Dears. Welcome back to Kyra Nights. And if you haven't noticed, Kevin's been kind of playing to my Springsteen's obsession here by playing covers of various Springsteen songs. Who is this because the night version done by? Uh, it's done by Garbage. Okay. And okay. Uh, also collaborated with a band called Screaming Females. Garbage is awesome band. Yeah. Shirley Manson. I've, I've seen Garbage so cool. live. And she's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and of course, Patti Smith had the hit with Because the Night. Uh, it's a Springsteen compilation. A lot of people, uh, Springsteen wrote the song and gave it to Patti Smith. Bruce actually played that last night at the show at Climate Pledge Arena. One of the rarities he, he dug out for his fans here at uh, in Seattle. It was a very nice show last night. Uh, we're talking about the worst and best finales of TV series of all time. Uh, Parks and Rec was mentioned as one of the best because the character you loved, uh, Amy Poehler's Leslie Nope, Binder Queen, actually moves on to government service. That she, and it, was, it was the perfect ending to that show. Uh, by and large, by popular, overwhelming, unanimous vote, Lost had the worst ending of any TV show ever. Uh, um, I never got into Lost. You know, it, it, it... Never watched an episode. Yeah, it just ne- never dragged me in. Uh, that's that's okay. A lot of people liked it. Uh, people who loved the show, who were religious devotees of the show, hated the ending. Uh, Breaking Bad finale, uh, John says, was absolutely the best. And Badfinger's Baby Blue playing at the end, perfect musical choice. I couldn't agree with you more. One thing about the Sopranos ending, I didn't like the, I didn't like the ambiguity of the Sopranos series ending, but Journey's uh, Don't Stop Believing was played at the end, and that was a great choice. I mean, sometimes music really can set the tones. For uh, Different uh, texture says, different John, by the way, says Star Trek Voyager had a great ending because they finally made it home. Nice. Yeah, you want your you want your heroes and your your people you care about to actually get home alive. An episode of a show that like you probably didn't get into was <laughs> Fresh Prince of Bel Air. The last episode of that show, well, it hit me in the feels, man. It was so good. It was so good. So what what, what was it? Are you are you jerking me around? Or no, was it- they all moved out of the house that Will had moved to, and and the last scene is just him in this bear mansion where he had kind of grown up and become and a man, become himself, yeah. and. Yeah. And it just ends with him just kind of alone in this mansion as everyone's moved out. And it was good, man. It was great last episode. Uh, I, thank you for the tip. Well, Will know, Smith, I, whatever happened to that guy? Whatever happened know? to that guy? He smacked somebody and went away forever. No, He'll be back. He's a great actor. Despite, exactly. Um, <laughs> Mike in Tacoma writes, and I, Mike, I don't know if this is true, but I, I hope that it is. I like the end of Little House on the Prairie where they blew up the entire town. Aren't you? Are you thinking of Blazing Saddles? <laughs> um, legend has it that Michael Landon wrote it into the script on purpose because he was ticked about the show being canceled. 
Oh my gosh, that's that's hilarious, man. <laughs> we asked if um people said they liked the end of Friends. Ross and Rachel got back together. Yeah, Chandler and Monica buying their house. Yeah, it was. It was a nice it was a nice ending about people you cared about. Six Feet Under had a great ending. Several texters brought that up. I love that show. You ever see Six what Feet a Under? Show. Oh yeah. So dark. Serious. But so it was, good. And and uh Who's the actor's name? Who went on to be Dexter? Was yeah. uh, was one of the brothers. It was mm-hmm. the Six Feet Under is about that family who owned a funeral home. Yep, you know, and how the the family had to come back and help the mom run the funeral home after the dad had passed away. Mm-hmm. It was a great show, and the finale was fantastic. Mash can be found on Hulu, uh, Philo, Amazon Prime Video, and Apple TV. Nice, thank you very much. Another texter said that Mash is still available. Where was it? To one other place, but he had to check. Uh, he's going to. So it wasn't sure. Uh, Newhart had a great finale. This the second Newhart show, where Bob. Remember, because Bob Newhart had the old show with Suzanne Flechette. Oh yeah, totally he, during my time. Well, and then Newhart was reborn. He had another show where he owned a bed and breakfast in like Vermont and Daryl, nice. Daryl, Daryl. Um, at the end of the second Newhart show, he woke up in bed with the wife from his first TV series. That's awesome. Like the entire second show had been a dream. It was the most creative and original finale ending glass sheet, last shot I've ever seen. Now, thank you, somebody, for reminding me of that. That was fantastic. Oh. Can't start a fire without a spark. Who's this one? Kevin, you're doing great, man. Lucy Dacus. Lucy Dacus. It's Cairo Nights. Hey, we're going to do something special here. It's been a long day for Spike O'Neill. Spike O'Neill's going to be back tomorrow from 12 to 3. We're going to run some of the show that we ran today from 12 to 3 with Jack Stein and myself. A little different perspectives on things. Some stuff a little more meat on the bones. I hope you'll enjoy that. And we'll see you guys again here tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. This just keep getting clearer.